I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, February 17th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the governor asked the legislature to invest in a wide variety of infrastructure projects. Then, signature homemade throws are a hallmark of some Mardi Gras crews in New Orleans. Plus, recent polling indicates this year's race for the governor's mansion is going to be interesting. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi's governor is proposing a $1.3 billion investment into road and bridge projects across the state. Tate Reeves introduced this plan along with a $57 million site development plan yesterday. It includes major infrastructure investments to the tune of $1.3 billion proposal that focuses on funding a range of transportation capacity projects. These projects include actions such as widening Mississippi's highways, pavement rehabilitation and restoration, and interchange improvements. My plan today also will announce investments that I've selected for $57 million for site development programs around the state. Now, As you can see from this very large map flanking me, my plan does not just cover one part of Mississippi. It covers every region of our state. From North Mississippi to the Delta and to the coast, my proposal is an actionable plan that will increase further economic growth and set up our fellow Mississippians for further prosperity. The $1.3 billion and $75 million price tags are more than what it would cost the state to expand Medicaid. According to the Commonwealth Fund, the cost of expansion would be roughly $878 million over five years. During his time in elected office, Reeves has publicly opposed any expansion of the federal health care coverage plan. During his State of the State address last month, he encouraged the legislature to think outside the box for solutions to Mississippi's hospital crisis. Reeves says the state's economic wins over the last year show businesses are still willing to invest in Mississippi. It's safe to say 
that in Mississippi, we have a lot to be proud of. But we're not going to rest on our laurels when it comes to the string of economic wins our state has had over the last several years. There's more to accomplish, and we're ready to hit the ground running. To continue improving the lives of Mississippians, to better position our state for even more economic growth and even more job creation, we need to continue investing in our state's infrastructure and take steps that will help companies bring their products to market faster by increasing the number of project-ready sites across Mississippi. Today, I'm announcing my plan to make exactly that happen. A constant in Reeves' plan is the theme of economic success and job creation. However, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, Mississippi experienced zero growth in employment between December 2021 and December 2022, the only state in the union not to have a positive net change in employment. Still, Reeves says the state is in the financial position to make such a considerable financial investment. Mississippi is in the best financial shape we've ever been in. Today, Mississippi is in the best fiscal shape we've ever been in. The fact is that our fiscally conservative approach to governing has put us in a position to have excess reserves that we can invest. It is my belief that your government has a responsibility to be good stewards of taxpayer dollars. We should be focused on using these funds in a way that maximizes benefits for Mississippians and in a way that provides them with the greatest return on their investment. That's exactly what my plan does. To that end, I propose allocating approximately $1.3 billion in supplemental funds toward road projects that are closest to being construction ready throughout the state. The state is still sitting on a sizable amount of federal dollars from the CARES Act and American Rescue Plan Act. According to data from the Bureau of Economic Analysis, Mississippi's gross domestic product shrank between the second and third quarters of 2022. Reeves says improving infrastructure around the state is necessary to expand Mississippi's current business and attract more outside companies. The governor also commented on several bills in the legislature that seek greater control over Jackson's water and public safety. One measure expands the Capitol Police jurisdiction. Another creates a court of non-elected judges. Reeves says he's interested in how the bills will hold up to constitutional scrutiny, but thinks something must be done to lower crime rates in Jackson. Jackson is the murder capital of the world, and that is not a title uh, that we should be proud of, and the, the thought of doing nothing should not be an option. Jackson's mayor has compared the bills to an apartheid takeover of a major black city. Coming up, signature homemade throws are a hallmark of some Mardi Gras crews in New Orleans. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. 
we hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio, or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. Classical, jazz, indie, blues, folk, bluegrass, whatever you call your music. Find it on MPB Music Radio on mpbonline.org or the MPB Public Media app or on an HD radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Ask any Mardi Gras reveler a favorite memory from Carnival's past, and it might include catching a treasured throw from a parade float. Behind each prize throw is hours of work, bottles of glitter, and dozens of float riders crafting together. Reporter Kazia Sedawin went behind the scenes with three crews as they created their signature throws. Parade throws during Mardi Gras come in all shapes and sizes. Many of them are beads and other cheap plastic toys, but a true carnival veteran knows that the personally designed throws from crews are special. These are the ones that end up resting on home mantles as prized possessions. For the crew of muses, it's all about the shoes. When you give it to like a total stranger, it's indescribable. That's Lizette Constantine a muses writer and co-owner of NOLA Craft Culture. Like, I've had people chase me for blocks because I pointed to them because I like their costume or their sign, and they literally run for blocks until I can get the shoe to them. And then it's like, victory! (laughs) It's like so much fun. The community workspace under the Mid-City Shop has turned into a private crafting space for several crew of muses float riders before their iconic duck-themed parade. I think I might do this whole shoe purple. The whole thing? Yeah. Decorating these heels is a tall order. In one part of the room, some float riders troubleshoot how to secure a crystal fringe to the edge of a platform heel, while other members figure out the best way to drill on a plastic martini glass. But a Muses shoe isn't complete until there's the crew label and year attached to it. That's what Muses writer Megan Federico is doing. We use a little bit of puff paint and a little bit of glitter and let it let it dry for about 24 hours, and then it peels right off. And you can Muses member Benita Plassant said, "There's beauty in turning discarded, tattered shoes into pieces of art." Because I think it's a love story or a love letter to the city about how you feel. According to the historic New Orleans collection, the tradition of throws has links to Roman and medieval festivities. Our current version of Mardi Gras throws with beads, cups, and doubloons galore, came from the Rex organization in the early 20th century. The Zulu Social Aid and Pleasure Club gets credit for starting the tradition of homemade throws with the coconuts they throw into the parade crowd. And now each crew adds their own twist. In Homa, the crew of tradition takes pride in decorating their extremely intricate pecan shell throws. The crew's co-founder, Whitney Loop, said the decade-old tradition was a creative way to push for something more sustainable. I like to do sometimes magnets because it's on your fridge every single day. You get to take a look at it. And it just kind of reminds you of not only creativity within the area, but also um, preserving a tradition within this area. This year, members have been inspired to make pecans of drag queens, nature, and famous singers. The challenge is often trying to figure out the details on such a small canvas. A pecan shell, basically the size of a thumbnail. Loop says these nights of crafting also serve as a form of healing. Especially through 
all the things that we've endeared over the past few years that it's just really nice to be able to come together and express ourselves and um, do therapy together. <laughs> Free therapy. <laughs> Creating these throws is also a way to push each other's creativity. For Bayou Babes of New Orleans, teamwork is key. You know, we work a lot of hours trying to create these things. We spend a lot of money to create these things to give out to, to everybody for free. But it just it absolutely becomes worth it. That's Therese Aiello, the crew's founder and co-captain. She's using hairspray to seal glitter onto 20 miniature alligators. The group's signature throw is a hand-decorated mini pirog, a small boat used by Cajuns to travel through the Martian bayous. They handed out the special throws during the Crew Bohem Parade earlier in February, the crew of choice for many local artists. Crew co-captain Christine Gausarowski painted a dragonfly with sparkly blue nail polish. I love um, fancy art and looking at fashion. She said she loves seeing the excitement on the parade route, especially when kids' faces light up after receiving something unique. Tell anybody if you're having a bad day, if you just go in a parade, it's the most loveliest thing. And it's so fun to give joy to someone and they give you joy back. And that's what it is. The community, love, and celebration all wrapped up in a beautiful throw for the world to enjoy. In New Orleans, I'm Kezia Satyawan. WWNO is a partner station of the Gulf States Newsroom, a collaboration between Mississippi Public Broadcasting and public media stations in Louisiana and Alabama. Coming up, what recent polling indicates about this year's race for the governor's mansion? This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. When you look at your vehicle, think of MPB. Need to get rid of your ride? Donate it by calling 877-MPB-4-CAR. Need to have some work done on your truck? Listen to AutoCorrect Thursdays at 10, Saturdays at 11. An MPB license plate reminds you that MPB is with you wherever you go. Go to your county office and ask for an MPB car tag. MPB and cars, better together. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. A recently released poll shows incumbent Governor Tate Reeves could be in a tight race for re-election this fall. The poll, conducted by Tulchin Research for the Southern Poverty Law Center, shows Democratic challenger Brandon Presley has a slight edge over Reeves. Ben Tulchin is the president and founder of Tulchin Research. He shares more about how they conducted this latest poll and what it says about this year's gubernatorial race. We interviewed 500 uh, voters in Mississippi who are likely to vote in the November 2023 general election. And we found that voters have soured on the governor. We found that a solid majority of 55 percent believe the state is headed in the wrong direction. And a similar number of 54 hold a negative opinion of the governor. And then when we asked the um, head-to-head matchup between the governor and uh, Brandon Presley, we found that the governor is actually losing by four points, uh, 43% to 47% for Brandon Presley. So uh, we found that the governor is in real trouble. Interviewing and polling 500 people, is that really enough to get a good picture of Mississippi voters? It is. We did a scientific sample that's representative 
of the electorate. So 500 is a, a good statistically valid number of interviews to, to, to of Mississippi voters. And the margin of error is 4.38. So if you take that into consideration, then they're about even. Correct. It, the, the, but the other data that we found, such as the strong majority that uh, believes the state's headed in the wrong direction, the strong majority that has a negative opinion of the governor tells us that there's a consistent pattern in multiple data points that point to the governor being in trouble. And a lot of that trouble is caused by the uh, TANF, the welfare scandal of the misuse of, of, of welfare, state welfare dollars, where a lot of people have heard about that scandal and 64 percent have an unfavorable opinion of the governor based on his handling of the scandal. Were these telephone calls that you made to people and asked them these questions? So what we employed what we call a multimodal format, which is now becoming the, the standard in our industry, which is we call people on landlines, we call people on cell phones, and we uh, text um, to cell phones for people to respond by text if they prefer. And we also email voters with emails uh, as well. So we give voters four options to respond to the survey, which is an emerging uh, standard practice in our field. When you did the survey, did you find that people elaborated on their responses or did they just answer the question? The way we did this survey, we just gave them uh, choices that they had to respond to, multiple choice they had to respond to for this survey. So I'm looking at Mississippi state direction. The question is, do you feel things in Mississippi are going in the right direction, or do you feel things have gotten off on the wrong track? And 55% said the wrong track, 34% said the right direction, and 11% said they don't know. What does that tell you? And we know that the 55% is greater but in extension, what do you get from that? Yeah, we see this is a standard question pollsters have been asking for decades, and it tends to be a very good indicator of the general mood of voters in a certain area, country, state, or city. And in this situation, we see that it, it tells us um, that voters are unhappy with the state, and they typically it t- tends to be a reflection of how they view the executive, whether it's the president in the right direction, wrong track nationally, or in this case, the governor of the state. And we also see how it closely correlates to how they view the governor. When we asked uh, a follow-up question about how they view the governor themselves, that you have a favorable or unfavorable opinion of the governor, 54% of voters said they have an unfavorable opinion of the governor to only 42% who said favorable. So it's a very similar uh, negative finding about the governor and their view of the governor as it is about the state of uh, uh, direction of the state. And, and we find uh, the direction of the state numbers correlate highly to people's opinions of the executive running the state or the country, in this case, uh, Governor Mississippi, and they closely align. So that's where we see, as a pollster, we like to see consistency in our data, right? So we see a 55% wrong track number. We say, okay, voters are unhappy. We see 54% hold an unfavorable opinion of the governor. We see those two numbers correlate and that voters are really, you know, unhappy with the job that the governor is doing and unhappy with the state and the way things are going in the state of Mississippi. I know that the question can also dictate how people respond 
and how they answer. On the negative opinions of Governor Tate Reeves on involvement in the Mississippi TANF scandal, well, it's a rather long question, and it says the Mississippi Welfare Fund scandal, the largest public corruption case in state history, involved the misuse of over $90 million in funds meant to help impoverished families. High-profile figures such as former NFL quarterback Brett Favre also benefited from the scandal, including funds for a volleyball facility for his daughter's university. Several state officials were arrested and convicted as a result, and Governor Tate Reeves fired an attorney investigating the matter, which some people see as further efforts to cover it up. Would you say you have a very favorable, somewhat favorable, somewhat unfavorable or very unfavorable opinion of Governor Tate Reeves as a result of this scandal. There are this question might be perceived as leading people a little bit because of the negative connotations in there. Well we asked a question before that, just a basic question of have you heard anything about the scandal? And 92% have heard something about the scandal. 55% say they've heard a lot about it. So we know it's gotten uh, a lot of attention in Mississippi and is, um, uh, is, 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 is people very aware of it in the state. And then we weren't sure how much information they heard, so we kind of gave a summary. And if that description that you just read essentially is a summary of headlines and newspaper articles from throughout the state, right? So nothing – editorial, but just simply summarizing what the news has reported about the scandal and then ask people their opinions of the governor in that context. Um, we also know that the governor's numbers, you know, he's unpopular and there's a reason why he's unpopular. So we tried to figure out, you know, how much of it has to do with this, this welfare scandal. And it turns out that a lot of his negatives have to do with um, <clears throat> the welfare scandal. So that was our perspective on it and what we view as what will likely play out in the uh, in the governor's race, where he, he will likely get attacked for his handling of the scandal of, of, of the misuse of welfare funds. And voters clearly, as described, as, as the newspaper the media has described the situation, have a very unfavorable opinion of, of how he's handled it. Is there anything you were able to take from this poll about the public service commissioner, Brandon Presley. Uh, that he's got a decent chance at winning. Uh, obviously, Mississippi is a deep red state and Democrats have struggled uh, in Mississippi for years. But this is uh, the best opportunity Democrats had in a long time. And we've also seen that, you know, Democrats have been able to win in the Deep South when the stars align, whether it's Doug Jones in Alabama or a governor, you know, Democratic governor in Louisiana, when when you have an a, unpopular incumbent who tends to get, you know, enmeshed in a scandal like Rees has, it provides an opportunity for a Democrat to win. Well, all right. We really appreciate you, Ben Tulchin, taking the time to speak with us about this issue. We appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.